Welcome to another episode of the Gift of Gaming podcast. We return to normal scheduling today. We're done with the news. It's February, almost. We're recording this pre-February, but it'll be out post-February. But today we're back to our normal bits and pieces. And on this episode, I'm joined by, of course, Craig, the critical Nolan. Craig? How you doing, folks? Good, good, good to have you. Good to have you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I said folks, not you, Darren. Oh, sorry. Sorry, (laughs) sorry. Well, he's happy to hear you folks, but not me. And uh, then Kev Purcell. Kev. Darren, how are you keeping, man? Thanks for having me. Of course. Welcome back. Episode number two for Episode you. Episode number two. Excited to be here. And you, in the brand new studio. Well, yes. This room I rented from the, the apartment <laughs> block kind of let me do. Because we were, we were recording in uh, my living space uh, last week because we lost the spare room. Uh, that makes it sound like it was an RIP job. <laughs> <laughs> the spare room's no longer with us. The um, bulldozers just claimed <laughs> it. Like. It's gone forever. Uh, no, so we're, we were in our living room, and of course, I had to kick poor old Lauren out for an hour to do that. And I was like, can't really do that every week. That's, that's just not fair. So we are in a little rented meeting room space in the apartment complex, which is pretty cool. It's pretty nice. Mm-hmm. It's very it's fancy in here. It's so warm, though. Whoever was in here, me and Craig, we popped into this room first, and it was set to 30 degrees in this place. Maybe. Who sets? the heating to 30 degrees and it's underground as well it's not like we're like you know out by the elements here it doesn't make sense unless they purposely were like trying to mess with the next people to come in like in which know? case mission successful and in which case they're probably like on the staircase right now <laughs> laughing at us it's, it's like another gaming podcast is right around the corner <laughs> 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 all right it's those rivals of ours <laughs> those rival became, that would be the worst actually yeah maybe that's why we're number two and not number one so this week we kind of it's kind of gone back to to roots for me a little bit craig we kind of tried to crack into the podcast you know a couple of years ago and even before that again even a couple of years before that i'm thinking like 2015 2016 i tried doing episodes but look we kind of did these fun kind of kind of ideas to talk about just things uh, all things gaming and this week's episode is our top three favorite characters maybe not necessarily the best video game characters but our favorite video game characters because mm-hmm. let me tell you my three Maybe one of them, who is number three for me, not even number one, <laughs> but maybe one of them is a reasonably good video game character. The other two are just like, I love them, but I know people out there definitely probably don't. So yeah, yeah. that's yeah. where we're going to go. Same. So I think we'll be going to, you know, I'll hit up each of you guys. We'll go for a round of three, round of two, maybe do some honorable mentions mm-hmm. and uh, go for our number one then. And if you're listening and you've got your top three favorite video game characters, why not email email us at thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Interestingly enough, I got some feedback and some emails in the podcast. Oh, now, from people we know, unfortunately. So it's <laughs> like, yeah, so it's not, 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 not great. Uh, Andy from New Zealand emailed us. Uh, Craig, he was talking about the, the Pokemon episode. Mm-hmm. And he's disgusted that we would have considered him a Growlithe instead of an Arcanine. Now, I replied back to him in the best way I could and said, listen, listen bud, listen. There's no way in hell you were ever an Arcanine. You're a Growlithe. That's it, except that. And Colm uh, emailed this about last week's episode. We were doing the news. Mm-hmm. And uh, he felt I was very, very harsh about cyberpunk. I don't know if you guys listened to the episode. I did, I did listen. And I, I also thought you were very harsh. You thought I was cyberpunk. harsh? Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe a bit. Maybe a bit too much. So for people out there who thought I was too harsh, to anybody I offended with that, I'm sorry. I ho- I, I, it's not the developers. I love you guys. You tried your best. You did everything. But I stand by it. A broken game should not be given to me broken. Make sure it's fixed. Make sure it works. Yeah. And I'll leave it at that. But thank you, Colin. Because <laughs> well, f- well, fair play to you. I would never have apologized. <laughs> well, no, because I, I, I listened. I haven't listened back on it, but I remember it back in my when I was sitting on my my uh, my angry chair. Mm-hmm. You know, I was sitting on the angry chair at that time, and I was given it. You know, and Luke, I could see in Luke and Chris's eyes, they were like, "Oh, this guy, this guy needs to." Maybe he's a little bit too harsh here about Cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, I still stand by what I said, but I think at the time I just wouldn't let it go. I was so... Uh, that rage. Yeah, you, were, you were very adamant because they wanted it to 
come across in a good light, but you definitely wanted no. it to be a sour tone. Yes. And, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I could tell, yeah, I could see the darkness in you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The game bit me. It bit me twice, in fact, actually. So I was like, okay, yeah. But no, but I, I you know, for the developers, anybody, I mean, like I said, it's not exactly the most popular podcast in the world, but if the developers of Cyberpunk are listening, it wasn't against you guys. You, you did everything you and could. And The Witcher Tree that. is amazing. Yes. And nice. good job. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, Craig. You're right. I was probably too harsh <laughs> to old CD Projekt Red. But that aside, it's cool that we're getting some traction on the emails. Mm-hmm. Uh, myself and Chris were talking about a, a website there the other day, costing more money. So I don't know if I'll go for the website just yet. <laughs> we shouldn't um, be yeah. talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Here's my business plan. It's my five-year business plan, everybody. Um, but also, we are working on social media still. But in the meantime, I, I do reply. We do reply to emails. So if you feel like t- sending us uh, your top three favorite video game characters... Do so on the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com. And the reason I'm saying it a couple of times is because my brother messaged me and he was like, yo, you definitely need to put out the email a bit more because it gets lost in the episode. So I'm like, maybe that's why we haven't. Maybe it's something to do with our popularity. Maybe that's why we haven't received any emails. <laughs> we'll take any yet. excuse we yeah. <laughs> So to kick it off, I was thinking top three video game characters, they don't have to be necessarily, I would say, narratively good uh, good guys. They can be bad guys. Mm-hmm. Just because you're a bad guy doesn't mean you're a bad guy, you know? Mm-hmm. So... I think Kev, I might kick off with you for your number three, right? Mm-hmm. Your your video gaming career. Who yeah. makes the third spot of your top three of your favorite video game character of all time? Yeah, it was tough, like because I was like narrow it down to three, and like like you mm. instantly, you, your mind jumps to potentially the most famous. You know, like that's where I couldn't get away from first, and I was like, no, 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 no. that wasn't the question. The question was my three. So I was going uh, for number three. I picked someone who maybe it's a little bit cheating because. They're a character that's already based on someone from a popular like stream of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I've gone with Arkham Asylum's Joker as being one of my favourite villains to ever come is up this against. Amazing is this amazing choice? Is that a Mark Hamill voiced? Yes. 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 Okay. And I think yeah. as well, one of the reasons maybe this popped into my head, because I don't know Mark Hamill, as you just said, he actually announced, I think within like the last week or two, that he's probably indefinitely stepping away from the role. He said that at least four times though in the past. Okay, so he probably <laughs> won't be yet. coming back to the role. <laughs> <laughs> After Arkham Asylum well, and really? Arkham City, he said he wouldn't continue up. Okay. And he came back for both. Yeah. He didn't come back for the third game, but that was by a different development. Developer, the guys who did Arkham Knights, yeah, there, yeah, that yeah. piece of shit game. Gotham Knights and Gotham, yeah, Gotham Knights, Knights, Knights there. Yeah. And then for Arkham Knight, he came back with Kevin Conroy to yes. do the final game. And an absolute classic as well. Amazing game. So, yeah. so good. But I think like I think the reason I had to go with him was because for me, like that's the character we all know. We already know. I think everyone you don't have to Everyone play, have alive the knows of the nineties yeah, exactly. animated Joker. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think they always do this thing where they say who was the best Joker, and no one ever mentions Mark Hamill. And he doesn't get tossed in as enough as he should because that portrayal of the Joker in that game is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he gets better game on game than he's in, I think. Yeah, and particularly the, the last game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The, the, yes. the cool yes. thing you should mention, because because with the thing that happened with Kevin Conroy, I was mm-hmm. kind of browsing uh, YouTube for a while there, and I came across, um, they did kind of like, a, I think it was for Arkham Knight, so not, not the most recent one, I think like two or three iterations back, and it's behind the scenes. So it's Mark mm-hmm. Hamill and Kevin Conroy on the mics doing all the voice acting for the mm-hmm. Joker. And, you know, they're interviewing Kevin Conroy and it was like, well, how do you feel? How do you feel about working with Mark Hamill? It was like, the guy's a genius, but like he becomes the Joker when he's doing. And then in the scenes, he's like, you know, he's all curled up in himself at the mic when he's doing the voiceover. He's doing the laugh. He's got a crazy mad face on him. So he he sold it. He gave it his all like, you know. 
Big time. I, like, it's such a memorable one. Like, I can never, I can never get away from it. And I always think as well with the gaming aspect of it, they can do things with that character that you wouldn't see in any other form of media. So, like, in one of the games, you know, he injects himself with Bane's um, serum and just yeah. turns into this ludicrous Joker. And it's just so great because you wouldn't see that. Maybe you'd see it in one of the cartoons, but you're never going to see that in a movie. Like, it's I know. just too insane. And the Joker is such a crazy character that, like, he won't just fight Batman. He has to shoot Batman with the same serum so that they can both be giants. Ev- you know? Evenly, yeah. evenly yeah. matched. And when, like, he fires at the Batman, he misses because, like, uh, Batman jumps in the way, I think, and blocks it from happening, doesn't he? No, he actually does get hit, and then Joker is just like, finally, we can actually go toe-to-toe. Like, he's one of those villains who wants Batman at his best yes. type of thing. He doesn't want to win by I, I want to beat you it. at your best so I can mm. say I, I 100% emphatically beat you. Yeah. yeah, on that given day. Who knows yeah. what he's thinking tomorrow, like, yeah. you know? But his, like, you know, and I think I was, more of the clips that I was watching that video was the, I, again, I can't remember which game it was. It's the one where his blood is poisoned or something like that and yeah. he was like donating loads and loads and loads of it to the hospital yeah. and stuff like that and I'm like he's such a sin- like the Joker as a character across the board is such a sinister character but you're right there are things that and I think that Joker with Joaquin Phoenix kind of touched mm-hmm. a little bit more on the like you know when he goes to the studio and he shoots the, the, the presenter and everything yeah. like that that's a little bit more kind of like whoa in your face a little bit darker than like the Heath Ledger stuff for the um, that was a bit more Hollywood or whatever, mm-hmm. but the Joker in those games is he's so sinister and he's so like the laughing clown side of things mm-hmm. that the sinisterness of it is like, this is very un- un- unnerving, uneasy. Kind but of. it's fantastic because this portrayal of the Joker is one that, although he's, he's killing people left, right and center, but it's always still done with a bit of a smile, like a bit of yeah. tongue in cheek, like, you know, yeah. he can be do- doing absolutely terrible things. But nobody's ever going to look into his mental health type thing. And with a big deal, you know, he's the Joker. We're supposed to hate him and that's that's his thing. Like, yeah. But one of the greatest aspects and one of the reasons I was going to think of him for my uh, top three as well, I almost put him down too. Oh, nice. But then I was like, oh, no, I just know him from the 90s so much more. But like in that game, throughout the first game in particular, he's on the intercom constantly talking yeah, to you and yeah, just yeah. being like, oh, guys, he's better watch out. Batman's coming. He'll be picking you up. And he's taunting his own crew yeah. that like Batman's going to get them and stuff like that so he's just having fun the whole time yeah. like you know and like for you know fair use to Mark Hamill because I always think in those kind of big games there's a huge amount of narrative stuff like in, in a, especially more modern AAA games like your God of Wars your Last of Us the level of dialogue that you have to record for that stuff is absolutely insane mm-hmm. and even I think more so than films like if Mark Hamill was doing Luke Skywalker he probably has way less to say in any of those films than he does in the in the game yeah, and it's sure. that like the devotion to that character and like I said you should watch that, that that clip on YouTube just like look at you know look up like you know Mark Hamill doing the Joker voice for, mm-hmm. for Arkham Asylum he, it's it's like watching someone else's like live interpretation of the Joker he's so curled up in himself and he's doing the laugh and he's all around the mic and he just looks wild while he's yeah. doing it so it's like he himself gets lost in it as well which is I guess is why it sells him so well in the game as well yeah and I think there was another aspect of it as well where like there's DLC where you can play as him in certain side missions as well and the way they you know let you play as him is exactly as you would hope like his fighting style is so silly it's almost like he's like a marionette like a puppet he moves in this super <laughs> strange way and when he walks he walks with this jaunt and like his uh, instead of his batarang he's got like chattering teeth that blow up when you go near them like it's just great fun across yeah. the board to play against them or as him yeah do you get to play uh, yeah in the DLC like yeah. you said you you could do kind of multiplayer-esque kind of side yeah. mission type stuff it was kind of challenging challenge you know, mode, you'd beat yeah. up all the bad guys in a certain amount of time yeah. and you could play as the Joker fighting 
guy. That's but cool. he wasn't actually fighting Batman. Because my but. my thing about that I was going to say was interesting that you would that you'd pick a character that you couldn't play as, but you do get a chance to play as him. So like, yeah, that's just an added. Oh, you do. That's great. Yeah, the chattering teeth was hilarious. Like it's just yeah. He's got the little flower with like the gas that comes out. Yeah, it's great. Like he just disintegrates everything it's just sheer acid like I love it yeah he's a great like I'm mean, Joker across the board is a great character and like I'm glad Mark Hamill has kind of gone and he's been doing that role for years in various ways I'm glad it hasn't you know because the way Jack Nicholson always said like oh it's a character that affects you and I guess maybe for movies you've got to do it differently to, to a voice acting but Mark Hamill always seems to just take a little bit of fun and I think it's some of the best delivery that like the Joker's yeah, had you know for sure big time but especially on that like you, you could be right this time it, we may never see him again like you know without Kevin Conroy I can't really see the motivation to do it like you know I don't yeah. think they've announced any games either for a while I think the last one was that Suicide Squad when that's part of the Arkham series yes and what, yeah, what's nice about that one was when they dropped that trailer I think was it at the Game Awards or was it something else that they did actually say that it was Kevin Conroy like in memory of Kevin Conroy and they do actually have he, he voiced Batman for that before awesome. he passed away so that'd be a nice little send off oh, for him and mm-hmm. I don't know if Mark Hamill does the Joker for that one but that would be a cool last I suppose hurrah for, for those mm-hmm. two as, the, as a double yeah, Kevin, Kevin Conroy did it for the animated show as well did he? yeah yeah, yeah. the two of them yeah. they've been sure, working together for like 30 years like as Batman and the Joker, Batman like, and Joker yeah. like they're the perfect duo they even do a lot of the um, the DC movies you know the animated films yes. together loads of those as well good stuff what about you Craig What's who, who made it into your number three my number your top three, three um so in a similar vein, like nearly all, <laughs> and when I was going through my list of my favorite video game characters, almost all of them are villains. And I revealed to you before in the Pokemon episode how like I'm just, I'm blue, I'm Gary Oak, I'm yeah. just, I'm the dickhead trainer. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I just want to be the guy who teases the, the main character. And like, that's another reason I love the Joker because he's constantly giving yeah. Batman abuse you know, yeah, on yeah, the intercom yeah. and stuff like that. So for me, the first ever big rival to come up in video games for me as a kid um, was when I played Star Fox 64 called Lilat Wars over mm-hmm. here. And I remember it being the third mission. I was already loving this game. The graphics, you know, N64, most powerful games console on earth. That's what they said in the trailers. Then not me. Then not me. I don't know. You know, PlayStation maybe. But um, by the third level, you had to disarm this bomb. And you're flying in and you have to defeat all these enemies. And then lo and behold, this deadly music comes on and you hear, oh, can't let you do that, Star Fox. And it's Star Wolf and his like Star Wolf team come in to defeat Star Fox and stop them from uh, disarming the bomb. And the whole time, so it's just a 4v4 dogfight with like your team versus his team. And Slippy he's con- getting wrecked. Slippy getting wrecked, yeah, of course, by uh, Leon. I be- no, not Leon. Um, Andrew was his rival. Yeah, Leon was for Falco and Pigma had... Uh, Peppy? Yes, Peppy. And it was 4v4 and like you had Wolf and you were going toe-to-toe, firing lasers and he's just taunting you like, you know. He's just like, you'll never do this stuff, Fox. Like he, he even has a poncy English accent, nice. which just makes him even more incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> makes him even more hittable. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, yes, it's perfect. It really does get to me. But it's great because you gun them down and they're all like dying and burning and, uh, and whatever. But at the very, very end of the game, you have to take out venom you have to like the the main base of andros and in order to do that you have to disarm this shield so the main army's over there fighting and you and your three guys have to destroy this little station and then lo and behold the music comes on again and you're just like wait a minute those guys are dead but the four of them come back with all these cybernetic implants and stuff and they've been like resurrected and they're around they're here for one more go um so yeah i loved star wolf um 
Rare unfortunately made Star Fox Adventures Dinosaur Planet without them, which I thought was a huge mistake and another reason I didn't can really I, like can that I, Can game. I just interject there and ask, <laughs> I've never even heard of Star Fox Dinosaur no. Planet. Was that a good game? Mm, some magazines would have you believe it was, but Rare left Nintendo immediately after the release of that game. Right. Um, and I thought it was terrible. Okay. I thought it was batshit terrible. I mean, by the, by the title alone, unless yeah. it's Cadillac and Dinosaurs, no, it was called I'm Dinosaur not interested. Planet, and then they <laughs> reskinned it as Star Fox Adventures Dinosaur. So it wasn't really a Star Fox game. They just reskinned it six months before they released it to boost oh, sales. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so you knew it was a disaster. Yeah. But Nintendo took over the helm then for the GameCube version uh, called Star Fox Assault. And in that, for the first time ever, halfway through the game, uh, Wolf and Star Fox have to team up together. And you're flying around while Wolf is literally on top of your R-Wing with a rocket launcher shooting down enemy uh, fighters. And you're there as Fox while Wolf is like with you. And I was like, that is the best like duo Arc. bromance yeah. like i've ever seen in the game and i was just super excited to be part of that so and you as a you know because we play a lot of smash brothers from time yeah. to time we're, oh we're yeah i should mention of course wolf is my character in smash, smash brothers, brothers as yeah. well yeah yeah i mean I, like i suppose nice for you to see him come to fruit like because that's you know the great thing about smash brothers is you get to see these characters in a totally different light and style mm -hmm. and having wolf in there fighting alongside like with fox and falco in the game as well in those you know it lilas. just adds to the, yeah. the, the whole character plus like despite the fact that I play Wolf all the time, I don't like his play style. So it just shows how much of a Wolf fan I am. You're devoted to him. with the character, <laughs> despite not really liking how he plays. Like, Nice. So that'd be your number three. That is my number three. So my number three is, it's an interesting one because he, he's a, I made him a bad guy. He didn't have to be. No, not, not that he's a bad Ooh. guy. He still saves the universe or whatever. But so I, not too many years after they came out, I played through Mass Effect 2 and Mass Effect 3, and I played as obviously, Commander Shepard, you know, okay. one of the greatest mm -hmm. video game protagonists in one of the greatest fit, like lore-filled worlds I've ever played. Yes. And the interesting thing about him and why I loved him so much in that game was I, in Mass Effect 2, you get to design your character, like design the face. And there's the standard, here's what Shepard looks like, male or female. And I was like, that's boring, I'm going to make my own. But I was quite young, I was in an eight, so like, what am I... Well, no, I'm not quite young. I'm like 17, 18. <laughs> I hate so, when that happens. So I, have, I have no excuses. So I was an 18-year-old terrible at video games, or at least designing characters. So I designed this character, Shepard, and he, you know, my my next older brother came into me when he saw me playing at one time and he was in a cutscene and he was like, that has to be one of the ugliest looking characters <laughs> that I've ever seen. I spent ages on it, but like spent too long on it and went from like this okay looking guy to this he was horrific and i was like i can't save the universe looking like this but what was interesting about the game and for those who haven't played mass effect when you're playing through the game you have this like you can you know you're let let or left with like loads of multiple choices and scenarios mm -hmm. good choices which are paragon and bad choices which are renegade renegade and what i didn't realize is as i was playing through the start of the game and i was making some renegade choices not wanting to be mean but they seem to be the most make the most sense or they seem to be the, the best way for me to save or begin to save the universe at the beginning of mass effect 2. Mm -hmm. and what was interesting is, is as you play through the renegade your the more renegade you are your character starts to to get these like orange scars these orange glowing scars on their face mm -hmm. And I remember I had like, I'd say maybe I was like 20% Renegade, 0% Paragon at this point. I had a couple of scars or whatever. And my brother came back and through and he was like, oh, your guy looks better like that. <laughs> I was like, oh, crap, he does. <laughs> but what was amazing was I, I lent into it. And I was like, I'm just going to play the absolute shit out of this game as the bad guy. Like, I'm going to say, I'm going to get the job done. I'm going to save the universe. But I'm not, I'm not taking people's emotions into account. Nice. So I went through the whole of Mass Effect. Where I was punching journalists and telling these doctors to like commit Did genocide. To, uh 
But she comes back to her, yeah, because she ducks the second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I went, you know, I was punching journalists. I was telling, um, you know, my scientists to not fix the, you know, the genocide of some other species. I was like the biggest asshole ever and i i loved it. i was i'm always the guy who'd play as like the good guy yeah and i'll always yeah. be the good guy. i'll i'll get your cat out of that tree madam yeah you know I do the I'll, exact same. I'll go do whatever you know all, all the nice things i'd go and do but this was so new and fun to me that i was like punching journalists asking for my opinion <laughs> telling people to shut up telling like my crew to get their shit together or else they're out and all this type of stuff i was like oh man i'm kind of going on a bit of a power trip here <laughs> but what was amazing about it was that all these choices lead up to at the end of Mass Effect 3, you build up this big team of dudes and you go into this like final battle. And it's essentially described as a suicide mission. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, it's very low chance you have of making it out of this. And based on decisions that you make there, like where you send people and their expertise and things that you do, you have a chance to kill loads of your team. Mm-hmm. Now, there's one guy on my team called Thane, who I think in the oh, game... Oh, badass. Ha- he's a badass. <laughs> he has a terminal illness or whatever else. Great character. And it was like, the most dangerous place... I, and I could be remembering this wrong, but it's like, the most dangerous job is to send someone through the vent to disarm the blah, blah, blah. And I looked over at Thane, I was like, well, you're a terminal. Up the vent with you, like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was this thing of like, you know, no holds barred. I was like, just the asshole. Like, but what was amazing was, he was the only one that died. I got everybody else, I think from from my recollection, out of that mission alive with the exception of Thane. And I was like, he was dead anyway. Yeah, Well, like, I hate to break it to you, but Thane doesn't actually become a, like a sick patient until Mass Effect 3. So no, but the Mass Effect 3, is the Mass Effect 3 not have the... No, the suicide mission is Mass Effect 2. Oh. <laughs> so you sent a healthy Thane in there. I had to send a healthy Thane into the, Yeah, well, listen, I saved the universe then and I saved Mass Effect 3 as well. I've got... No, listen, I'm... I'm I see what happened here. Yeah. Thane dies later on of, like, being sick yes. and you... To I justify it to yourself, mm-hmm. you're just like tricking yourself. It's like, yeah, he was terminally ill. I did a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I made you the right decision. <laughs> but he was, he, for me, as a, as a person who always played the good guy, always played the games where you played as the good guy. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, like I saved the universe. So like, good I'm guy, good guy yeah. kind, of. kind of. But I did it in like the most jackassery, that dude's a dick kind of way through the whole game and it was one of the most enjoyable playthroughs of it and especially for Mass Effect which is such yeah. a great game story-wise to play through I was like this was just amazing do, do you ever think to go back and do it the exact opposite way? no see it's and it's funny it's like in, and Craig will, will know this for me from playing things like Fire Emblem and things like that I'm kind of like a one and done in Fire Emblem where you play through a game and if your character dies in a battle you lose them forever is mm-hmm. one of the options or you can have a classic mode where they pass out in the battle and they're, and they're there for the next one I always play things where it's like no no if that's it that's it like if they die they die and that's like part of the story mm-hmm. for me I can't consider a Commander Shepard as a nice guy I just won't I, so if I play through it again I think I'd probably go full Renegade again because I was like that's that's how he did it you know mm-hmm. that's how he saved yeah, the universe yeah, yeah. no holds yeah. barred he was like he had a job to do and he was going to do it whatever way it took because there was a greater purpose here you know apart from Miranda's emotions or my good pal Jacob over here like you know yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. I don't care about any of them we're just getting the mission done and it was so satisfying to play nice. through the game like but this. to answer your question though yeah. like whenever I play this I've done like Mass Effect 2 and 3 at least 2 or 3 times so I've done both sides and they all feel realistic towards the she- the character of Shepard like it never see- seems like he's doing something crazy or out of line so regardless of Renegade or Paragon it always felt like you were actually controlling that character and that character is doing things that he would do fair. you know so he can be tough or and he can be fair and he can kind of switch whenever he kind of feels like okay. he's that type of loose cannon yeah. so it just made sense regardless of what option you pick it always looked great you know oh sweet yeah, yeah. win win 
Yeah, so that was that was satisfying number three. So yeah, got a huge amount of enjoyment out of him. So he and it's funny because I was we'll go, go to honorable mentions before we maybe hit our number one. But he was sliding in and out of the third spot for a while, and then I remember that I punched a journalist, and I was like, "All right, you're in. <laughs> you, you've made the number three spot." Like you know. So okay, moving around back to you, number two. We're moving up the list. This character's gonna yeah. be pretty important to you to make number two. Yeah, so he is, and that's why he made number two because in my initial draft he was number three, and, it, and to be honest, he wasn't gonna make the cut because. It's a bit of a choice. Okay, so I've after picking a player, right, from Pro Evolution Soccer, number six. <laughs> now, wow, what a twist. <laughs> what a twist, right? There was in this game a player called Adriano who played for Inter Milan and he's Brazilian, right? And for some reason, I, I know what, well, I know what the story, what the reason is, but they overstated him in this game to the point that he was a god amongst men when you were playing. And I spent a lot of time when I was younger playing different versions of FIFA, different versions of Pez, had a lot of them. And no player has ever stuck out to me like he, uh, he did. And he's like a cult figure. People still talk about this. Oh, like yeah. he had the highest. I actually got some of his stats out. But anyway, the story behind why he was overstated and like it's recognized that he was overstated. Like even Konami came out and said like, yeah, yeah, we won't do that again. Like <laughs> he, uh, there was a executive producer in the company at the time who just, he was a fan. He was a fan and he couldn't help hide his bias one year. So this, the year, it was 2006, and this player, he plays as a striker, right? So, you know, you're guaranteed goals if they're any good. So for some reason, and this doesn't happen because, like, the highest rated player on, like, FIFA 2003 at the moment is, I think, well, the highest rated shot power is Ronaldo. And he's got, like, a shot power of 92. Mm-hmm. Adriano in this game has a shot power of 99. It's never been done. Out of 100, this is now, right? His, uh, his attacking, like, prowess out of 100 is also 90. His balance out of 100 is 98. So basically, if you got the ball... You couldn't and You, you couldn't, couldn't stop. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It got to the point that when me and the lads were like playing this um, after school, straight up to one of the guys' houses, all the controllers in, pick a, picking names out of a hat for a team because you weren't allowed to pick them. You couldn't pick Inter Milan because it was cheat code. So we had to knock that on the head. No it's the odd allowed. job of the yeah. game. <laughs> it, was just, it was just a guaranteed W, and it was just so funny to me that like... Just this one year, they couldn't help just like, oh, I love it. I love Inter Milan. I'm just going to give them 100 across the board and just make this unstoppable deity of a football. Someone was invested in that guy's career. But, but was it his actual name or was it, do you know the way like in the ISS and Pro Evo games, mm-hmm. it was always like uh, David Beckham. You know yeah, that type of thing? And yeah, like that. Arsenal were like North Reds or something yeah, like this. They, if for whatever reason, they had Inter Milan. Uh, obviously this producer really liked them and he paid the rights or whatever but um, yeah they just they just overstated the shit out of them and, and it hasn't been like done cult, since cult hero which you like, it was one of the first people I thought of when I thought of it I was just like oh I'm going to pick Adriano from Pez 6 am I that's such, a, that's such <laughs> an interesting like choice because when I was thinking of video game characters not a single real life or you know adaptation from a movie or whatever came to my mind but of course the likes of like and especially like with FIFA because I played FIFA for three years like I think even now when I check like my most played time on some games although I don't play FIFA anymore mm-hmm. like FIFA 2013 I think is like has got the most hours played of any of my games still by quite a yard and I'm like wow that's because you haven't ah. seen your stats in Smash Brothers in a while yeah, well, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's all on your Switch yeah but that's you know it's funny that when you got into that that zone and I because I you know I was, I was always a, always been a Wigan fan so I always playing as the underdog so mm-hmm. like back in those days um, you know Sean Maloney for Wigan yes, been my always, yeah. who is currently by the way guys was just announced as the new Wigan manager so there we go Full exciting circle. times you know time and place uh, <laughs> sorry sorry, <laughs> sorry welcome back to the gaming podcast my apologies um, but yeah that kind of thing I never considered that but yeah I remember playing that 
that game and always having the likes of like Callum McManaman or Sean Maloney as these people who had always passed the ball to and want to play but I never considered them as favourite video game characters but yeah if it's cult yeah, status because there was also like an aspect of those games as well where like this was pre like EA kind of thinking about how football actually worked so you could just sign whatever player you liked so you could just build a super team so I'd pick Arsenal I'd be like oh who do I want up front I want uh, Ronaldo I also want Ronaldo on the left and you just pick every single player that you want in the strongest position and Adriano is without a doubt the go-to and it's in that specific version of the game the year before he was still great wasn't that good the year after still great was not that good they just went ham this one year it was it's so ridiculous like I want to go back and play and just see I think they would have given him something like 99 shot power over someone like Ronaldo who you'd still almost put up there in the in the highest Oh yeah, like, like tier of that, like you know. Yeah. Even then, they were like ninety-two is where we draw the line. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> like about what? as high as any. Like the world, one of the world's greatest players will give him ninety-two, but this year, this guy, ninety-nine. <laughs> I was watching a compilation earlier of his like top ten Pez goals, Pez six goals, and it's just dumb. Like they're from the halfway line. It's like a rocket going into the top corner. Like <laughs> it's not game realistic at all it's amazing crack well i'm glad you picked someone that was that that's kind of a bit out of left field i never would have considered that but mm. that's a great one like i mean in terms of if you've got a video game memory like that then why the hell not like mm-hmm. you know sure. like cult cult following i love that yeah it's class craig you got any fifa characters in there uh no i would never have thought of such a thing <laughs> so who's your number two then craig my number two is joker from persona 5 not the joker Joker from Persona 5. Wow, we've got two Jokers. We've got two Jokers. This is crazy. And the reason I go with Joker, one is just because I absolutely love that game. And it was probably the biggest game that felt for me. Do you know the way in a lot of games you play as the silent protagonist and it's supposed to be you? You know, you're in their shoes, so it's kind of like you're doing all these things. Well, Joker's like that, except, you know, he's living the life of Tokyo. You know, he wakes up every morning, he goes to school, he does his cool activities in the metaverse, which is like the, the gameplay. But then he comes home, eats dinner and goes to bed. And because that was such a routine type of thing, it very much felt more of a real character than any other characters I'd ever played as. You know, because mm-hmm. you, you kind of felt like you were living his life and these were your friends and this type of thing maybe yeah. I just get too attached no to no no I mean like I, I'm so into games like that where you do live and like especially like and it's like real life where it's like I don't have the time <laughs> in the day to do all the things that I want to do like that's me in real life <laughs> well for me like Joker would do something cool and then I just think to myself wow does that mean I'm cool it does, doesn't it? Absolutely, by <laughs> I am cool. Yeah. Whatever helps you sleep at night, great. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, they call Joker the silent protagonist, but like anytime you hit pause, he goes, oh, just save, or show me your true form, or like he has about 20 or 30 lines of dialogue that he actually says. Which is enough. Being a, and it's enough to really get a flavor of who he is and yeah. what he does. And he is cool as shit. Like there's even a point, because you can make yourself ridiculously powerful just by abusing the different personas and combining them and stuff like that. And... Towards the end, you can uh, play these twins uh, against these twins, Caroline and Justine, and they're supposed to be the ones who've been mentoring you the whole time. But if you show up with godlike personas and they try to attack you and it does no damage, Joker starts starts mocking them. He starts laughing out loud to them, like maniacally with like an evil laugh. And I was like, that seals the deal. That's yeah. something I would do. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have made it this far. This yeah. is me now. As like, soon as yeah. he did that, I was like, yes, we are kindred Cemented. spirits. Like. And also a character that, recently enough, was added to Smash Brothers. Yeah, he was the first DLC character announced the day the game came out. Trend emerges. I wonder we got number one now. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking about those other Smash characters. <laughs> like, see a Sephiroth clown. Who else we got? No, Smash it's Brothers? crazy. So my number one is not in Smash Bros. Um, oh, interesting. Not. Yeah. 
really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so he's there in some capacity, for sure, like, you know. And uh, in terms of, uh, but like, with Joker and that, do you... Because, I mean, he's, like, with the Persona games, it's just him one and done, so that's it. Are you, would you? Well, I mean, he could come back. No, realistically, he wouldn't. I mean, remember we talked about that... Um, uh, what's that series? The Warriors series. I mean, they did it. Oh, the again. Hyrule Warriors. But again, yeah. As soon as I Persona see a trailer Warriors. for that, I just get disappointed that it's yeah. not the actual game. It's yeah. just one of those. But but, you, but what I mean to say is, you think his character is better because he's got this this one. It, well, it's a one and see, done. One and he done, has yeah. his story and then it's over. So I don't expect him to come back for Persona Six. And I think all the protagonists beforehand never did either. Yeah, and I, like what I think was really interesting with his character at the beginning, the way Persona Five was done, is that in the opening of that game, you're kind of you're running away from the police, mm-hmm. and the whole like you're reliving the story through him in a cell, like being in you know interrogated by you know corrupt. Uh, police great or whatever plot. great story the great story and uh, for me I was and like you know you can answer things because it gives you that multiple choice answer in those scenes, and you can make yourself seem like the real tough guy being like mm-hmm. you know well I tell the doctor it's like tell him to suck a lemon you ain't, <laughs> you ain't saying shit to these guys in, like, in that scene when he's being chased he jumps out the window and does like a, a double somersault and all your team are on the intercom being like look at you you show off you didn't yeah, need to do those yeah, twirls yeah. He's, just <laughs> but, like, a, he's just doing it to he's got a total him. personality like, like yes Perfect. Well, I think my number two will come as no surprise to at least you, Craig, and for a lot of our mates who listen. Uh, Kevin, I'm not quite sure if you're familiar with this, but I am a massively huge fan of Luigi. Nice. Not Mario. Like, I can get wrecked as far as I'm concerned. It's all about Luigi. And there is a story behind that because I understand that Luigi nowadays is kind of brought to the public as this wimp coward loser he's kind Charlie of character. Day. <laughs> yeah, he's, he, is, he is but what was interesting the reason I always liked Luigi the reason I got onto the, the Luigi train was back when we were much younger and I had a Super Nintendo and Nintendo and I had two older brothers so I was always player two always <laughs> player two never player one you know always player two and when it came to playing the Super Mario Brothers games that meant Luigi or at least the green Mario so does that yeah. mean you were a Luigi fan by complete accident Yes, <laughs> and I, I'll admit to that. I'm okay with how, how the story came about, you know, but it's like playing that game and I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of want to play one and like, you know, Red Mario, it's the game's cut named after him or whatever. But as time went on, I was like, no, screw my brothers not let me be player one. I'm going to own this this green Mario who ended up becoming Luigi and then as time went on, ended up having his own set of games, Luigi's Mansions, mm-hmm. which are okay. Like they're not, they're not great, but it's yeah. one of those things that like uh, the more people have slagged me about liking him because in modern day video games, he is like the cowardly younger brother. You can kind of blame Sakurai for that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who's made him a wussy in all aspects of anything he appears in. But what I like about uh, Luigi as he's grown in that, like in this, all the sports Mario games, Luigi's, is he an excellent tennis player or golf player? Craig, can you remember? In is one he of which, sorry? Is he an excellent tennis player or golf player? I don't know. I think he, like Mario, always has average stats, like sevens. Oh, throughout the board across like. the board because I thought I was reading somewhere that like in, in golf or something like that like, like Luigi's a golfer like everyone has their has their thing but like Luigi and I was like huh, I like that I don't like golf myself but yeah. like that Luigi's good at golf but uh, you know was, and even in as time went on we play games like Smash Brothers and he's in that and he's quite a quite a tricky player to play as and people are like oh Luigi's like he's no Mario of course like naturally if you're going to play as Mario or Luigi you're going to enjoy. but I was like no I'm going to learn how to get good with Luigi and I did and that even made me like him more and more and now as time goes on myself and my mate Danny we play through Super Mario Brothers 3 um, regularly like it's a yearly mm-hmm. thing like a traditional thing that we do and under no circumstances does he get to play as Luigi 
that's like I'm going for player two. Like now, that's what like like I you know I own player two. I'm going for player nice. two. Yeah, you know, like but it. he has he's always been great. And now with the Mario movie coming out, being voiced by Charlie Day, who I'm a you know I'm a big fan of Charlie Day. So I'm like that's okay. I mean, could there be better voices? I mean, there could be better voices across the board for that movie potentially. But yeah. I'm interested to see a Charlie Day, Luigi. Yeah, but he had to get the up worst. there. Yeah, we but Jack Black there. and your one from The Hunger Games and a Taylor Joy like I cannot wait to see yes that yeah, they yeah, released a, a teaser trailer to, at least I think it was today and it was uh, it's the where Mario was fighting Donkey Kong in that uh, Coliseum the arena yeah. and uh, you get to hear Seth Rogen talking as Donkey Kong oh, and cool. I am not sure about it oh. but he can't do another voice it's just going to be Seth Rogen right? yeah. yeah yeah. so oh. I was like I thought he'd put something on maybe and still have that classic Seth Rogen laugh which I think would be a very good Donkey Kong laugh but uh, yeah I watched that scene I was like oh there's another one I'm unsure of like you know yeah. so is he just doing it as himself pretty much yeah oh, nice to see him. I thought they'd at least like break up his voice a bit or just something make him, do or something ever so slightly different yeah he, do make him do something himself to be a bit more like yeah. you know ape-ish or you know monkey-ish or something like that but no he's just he's just talking to himself as Donkey Kong so I was like okay we'll see how that one goes mm. uh, but you know they have seemed to have nailed Luigi's voice congratulations way to go guys but another thing I like about Luigi as a character is that he almost broke Nintendo they I was so excited about it they had you're talking you know, about the year of Luigi I'm talking about the year of Luigi yeah yeah Just <laughs> that was the baby. darkest year in Nintendo's history yeah you better believe it baby but like they'll talk about it forever so Kev if you don't know this Nintendo decided to do a thing called the year of Luigi and they mm-hmm. changed a lot of their colouring to green instead of red and you know, made I think that Luigi's Mansion Two came out that year or something. And they had new uh, Super Mario Brothers Luigi. You know, it was kind of like the launch game for the Wii U. Right. So yeah. So that would kind of led the the charge. Whole idea. And everything yeah. was green and Luigi's, and I loved it. I was like, yeah, right, finally getting the recognition he deserves. And then the following year, they were like, that was our worst year financially that we've ever had and i was like in truth well, that's not luigi's fault that's the terrible marketing that nintendo did for the wii u like everyone just assumed it was just uh, an accessory for the wii yeah and that was completely their fault for not even addressing that but what i love that was like you know nintendo were probably happy to push luigi as the fall guy make luigi the scapegoat <laughs> they would blame him <laughs> <Yeah. why? laughs> they've been blaming him his entire life so that's why i said luigi's got to be up there for me number two as a childhood thing i was like i i had to take that character and i fell in love with that character over time you know you know green mario essentially as he was back in the day (laughs) green mario so i guess before we go on to our like our number one choice do you guys have any like honorable mentions that you kind of think when you were putting this list together you kind of thought man i'm really struggling here about who i who i put in well there was one guy i was thinking of and maybe maybe one of you two will know because i was trying to google this a game i remember from my childhood maybe someone who's listening at home will be able to email me in this answer because i need to know what game this was i played it as a child on the computer and basically, you're just like this lead character. He's like this young, like guy. Like, there's not much go- to this game. Like, it's not like heavily good on the graphics what, or anything like that. What console are we talking? Oh, is this a computer game? Like, it was just okay. on a PC. PC. Uh, like, I, th- I think we just downloaded it. I think it's available on Steam now, but I'm not 100 percent sure because I couldn't follow uh, if it was the game I was trying to describe. Because the point of it was that you would wear different types of shoes to get around, like a chessboard style map. So, like, there would be water shoes that would allow you to walk on water. There'd be fire shoes that you walk on fire, ones for slippy surfaces. And for the... L- I spent so much time playing this game. I've described it to some of my friends who were like, I definitely played that game. But no one can know. None of us can put it together. And it's from, like, the mid-90s. 
and I just really need to know because he, for me, defined my mid nineties. I played it yeah. so much, I can't remember. And, and the name my of hand it. was hovering over the buzzer, being ready to like slam it down. You but the second it? you said PC, I was just like, "That's me out." Like, yeah, yeah. No. I don't have any experience in that round. No, no, but no. if any of our listeners are avid PC gamers and you know who wore all those shoes Please. back in the mid nineties. Email us at the gift of gaming podcast at gmail.com and put Kev out of his misery. It's been so long. I've, I've, I do this every other year. I start Googling it again, being like, maybe this game is available online. But what I have to Google is, what's the game with the shoes? You know, and I, do, <laughs> with the do ice you shoes. I bet you get Zelda it's Ocarina so of Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Water boots and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And, and no name, just, just the guy with the shoes. That's all I you can. I can't remember him. I can't remember. It's just so long ago. Man, I wish I, I wish I could help you. I just, yeah, yeah, painful. Sure. PC like games it. beyond yeah. me. Beyond but did he talk? Did he say things? Does he no, cool? no, not at all. There would be like, look at that guy's style. There would be text, <laughs> and you would have to like solve little puzzles. You know, collect the key, walk through the gate, all this sort of stuff. You get your fire shoes. You can walk on the lava now. Nice. Amazingly fun game. What's it called? <laughs> Please help us. What about you, Craig? Do you have an honorable mention that um, can get to your list? Couple, uh, because Geralt of Rivia was going to be in my top three, but I'd be just like, you know what? He's part of books and stuff like that. And Hey, just, we got a number two know, over here who's a football here. player. As soon as he said, <laughs> yeah. oh, number two. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm joking for this. Yeah. But yeah. I love Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher Tree. Yes. Um, so he was going to be an honorable mention to me. I used to be a massive fan of Cloud slash Zack mm-hmm. because I always considered them the one character. Yes. I mean, we talked about this before, but for me, like... The whole uh, first three quarters of the game, you actually play as Zack, only Cloud doesn't realize it. Yes. But as soon as um, uh, Crisis Core became canon and Zack was like, hi, how are you? I was like, okay, so that's bullshit. That, yeah. it, that's not what it was. He was an so ass. So all yeah. of a sudden they've changed Cloud and Zack's origins for the worse. And I'm like, okay, well, they're not. So now Cloud is just a dickhead for absolutely no reason at the start of Bond Fantasy he said. Yeah, that's <laughs> so true. So for me, I'm just like, but okay, I think so he's no longer a great character. In, in their defense, I think they did rectify that a little bit in Remake because he's a little bit easier going in Remake, right? He's just, there's so much more talking and there's so much more yeah, flirting I suppose, yeah. that... Yeah, I guess. I guess he's, he is. He's and yeah, he's, he's a decent character in this. So Cloud... Oh, he so was he, great. Um, but I mean, what I mean by that is Cloud slash Zack was great because as soon as he gets his memories back he becomes a little pussy again you know he's just kind of like mm, whatever blah 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 yeah but like he was a badass right up until the end of the game yeah you know and i was like i like that guy but that guy is lost so you forever. like if your honorable mention then would potentially another be, bad guy of course yeah final <laughs> fantasy 7 zach Final Fantasy Seven Cloud with Zach's memories. Memories. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah that's, that's <laughs> such a like. I'm gonna take, it's I'm so gonna take this little bit yeah, here. Yeah. yeah. That's a good. Because one. I hate Zach, but I love that version of Cloud. You know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's a that's this one. I think for me, honorable mention, and you'll know this one well, Kev. I was going to, and I think if we were to do an episode of things like you know, like great video game characters, I think I'd have to consider this guy. But Arthur Morgan. Shout. from Red Dead Redemption yeah. I was going to give him an honorable mention mm-hmm. he's yeah. amazing he's like and in terms of you know John Morrison kind of gets a redemption in mm-hmm. the first game essentially but Arthur Morgan's redemption is so pure it's like, so good and he you know he goes through that entire game as an outlaw but always questioning the morality of it the yeah. whole way through until the point where it comes to the end and he's like you know I mean, spoilers has been out for a while. Though. I won't say I won't say too much because it's a game worth playing. But at the end, he kind of gets the chance to be like, be better than the out, you know, like mm-hmm. possibly better than the outlaw. And I just, I love that. And I was like, is he one of my favorite characters? No, but is he a great character? Yes. Yeah. Like probably yes. greater than anybody I've picked in my list. He might be but, the number one character. Yes. Just because the dialogue in that game is better than any other game ever. Yes. Like you know. Yeah, and just his him just trying to figure it all out in in what is a, a time that's like running the outlaws out of town, and he's trying to. 
you know grow with that or manage that it's yeah. it's just so beautifully done yeah i've you know, at the end of that game, I was like, "Man, what?" A and then you had to play as you know, like like that. You get the chance to play as John at the end of the game. Like this guy's so yeah, <laughs> because a lot of people were raving about John from Red Dead Redemption One. But yes. as soon as Red Dead Redemption Two comes around, you're like, "Forget this guy!" Yeah. Like, yeah. After, he's yeah. so much better. Like, and the know? fact that they've gone, like, the, the fact they went from such a like John Marston in Red Dead Redemption One was a great character. Well, like, yeah. if you say so. But I thought I thought he was good. Like, you know, hunting down his old guys, been like, "I'm just trying to get my family back." Fuck you guys. I know, but you this. walked into the bar, and then all the prostitutes are coming up to you and being like, "Hey, would you like a good time with me?" And he's like, "I'm a married man." I'm like, "You bitch." <laughs> 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 this is a Western game. What's the point? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, married man, and he is. Tries his like, best, you've just you know? ruined it for everyone. <laughs> but what I like about that is, in you know, that whole thing about him being a because you know, it seems based on the fact that he's a bit of a crook in the first game, it seems like it's not very plausible. But based on how you play. Red Dead Redemption 2 and you see that he's trying to be the better yeah, husband that character makes a little bit more sense in Red Dead Redemption the first one you're like mm -hmm. oh he was you know the whole way through Red Redemption 2 as a younger man he was trying to be a more faithful just yeah. person but then they just should have made Red Dead Redemption 2 first because that's what we wanted the yeah. first time yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <what> we, <laughs> we wanted to play as the badass got. not the married man who yeah. was yeah, fucking yeah we did get badass did you always play as good guy Arthur Morgan or were you ever kind of like me and Arthur Morgan, you know? No, I, I think Arthur Morgan was a good one. I think I was very center, quite center, maybe center, center good. But unfortunately with that game, I don't think, I don't think it delivered the good versus bad as well as like some mass effect. Cause mm. I think there'd be some times where you were trying to do good things and then the next mission you're, you, you know, executing people. And they're like, no, yeah. I just, I'm not, I, I think the game doesn't really allow you to be a good guy in that game for the most part because you're still doing horrible outlaw-ish yeah. things. So like the idea that you go like help a woman onto a horse and like bring her back to her home and tip your hat to her and be like, you're welcome, ma'am. I'm a good guy. You're like, no, you're not. Yeah. You're still like, going to rob that bank yeah, in the next mission. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there, there was that issue. I tried to play as I'm good, but I think because I played that game twice on my second time, I wasn't awful, but I definitely leaned more towards the be a bit of a jerk because that's how you were brought up essentially. Yeah. And the trying to be good Although that's kind of his story, it never really fits in with the missions in the game sometimes because you're just going around being an ass. Well, I, the, the guy, was a Butch or Dutch, whoever's the, the leader. Butch. <laughs> Butch Dutch. Butch Dutch. Like, he is completely out of line and, like, just kind of going mad and just yes. trying to, like, he keeps digging a hole and making yeah. it worse for everyone around yeah. him. And you can tell Arthur is losing his faith in them completely. And yeah. So like, quick. We yeah. need to get Which is the this. saddest thing because, you know, and I, like, we're really, I mean, I probably should have picked Arthur Morgan based on this discussion, but that's the thing about him as well in that game is that like he he sees that like this is not the way to go anymore you know and even though like he finds it so hard because he was brought up with Dutch yeah. and I forgot what the old the man's old name guy, was yeah you just go fishing together oh yeah he helps him build his house at the end as well and everything he's just like the uncle is it no no not no, uncle, not uncle. The, the guy that kind of raised Dutch and then him and Dutch raised oh yeah yeah his um, opening mission was to track a bear I remember that yes that was really cool yeah I can't remember his name I should do but like the fact that he's witnessing Dutch ruin all of that, you know, makes it so much harder. I mean, because that's the thing. When I played that game, I was ahead of my brother who was also playing it. And he was like, God, I'm having so much fun in these first, like, two or three camps. This is it, amazing. That's the best yes. time. The first, like, the first two camps that you set up in the game are great because everybody's happy. It's so happy. wholesome. It's You're so just like, nice. Let's, let's ride into town. And, he, and my brother was like, hey, should I continue on? I was like, no, do everything <laughs> you want to do by camp three because it's not as much fun after that. Like, everything gets really bad. Like, you Take know? all the music in now while but you can because they stop playing yeah. the music by camp three. Like. <laughs> <laughs> there's no John. There's songs. no more songs. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's all dead. Man, I really probably should have put it in my top three. But we'll go into our numero unos, our mm -hmm. top video game characters of all time. Our favorite, you know, not top, our favorite video game characters. Because mm -hmm. mine, as much as I love my number one, and Craig definitely knows who my number one is, 
they're definitely not the best video game character out there. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll admit to that. <laughs> you just have to say it. <laughs> I do. Yeah, I just get it out there first before I get wrecked, you know. Uh, Kev, your number one. Who made it? Yeah, my number one. So I've gone with Ezio Adatore oh. of Assassin's Creed. Fine choice. Fine choice. What a man. And what the best man. of the assassins. Uh, that's, I think that goes without saying. I don't know. Point. The black, like Cunningham in uh, Black Flag that, was yeah, pretty, pretty cool. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Black Flag was always a weird one for me because like, I, I, I didn't realize they were doing all the ship stuff and it's when it jumps to all the ship, uh, cap, like being a captain and like getting into like uh, fights against like castles. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting this. I just want to have my hidden blades. Well, and you that's have all those as well. well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, that's so true. I just felt I was just like, oh, I'm on this ship an awful lot. Um, <laughs> but that's why I think I like Ezio so much is like, firstly, his like story arc is just absolutely amazing. Like it opens and he's this like Jack the Lad, like 17 year old getting in scraps, like sneaking off at night to like get with like pretty much every noble woman in the town, it sounds like. And suddenly he's just thrust into this like age old battle that you just have to get involved with. And when it starts, he's so impulsive, he's brash. You know, he, he exposes himself as an assassin quite a bit early on. Which I'm glad you finished that sentence. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like, like there's like one of the opening ones where, where like one of the opening missions is, you know, like you first don the assassin's garb and you're meant to like do it stealthily. And he just like shouts out and gets himself caught yeah. and... Like he's just he's so real. Constantly. He's so real. Yeah, yeah. he's really. I can really relate to him because, like, in the first game with um, Altair, I just didn't find him relatable at all. Because from scene, like from from like mission one, I was like, "You're a bit of a dick." Plus, you, it was you've just gone a terrible, against order. Terrible game that they you didn't like. Very per- Well, I had yeah. it and I played it, and I'm just like, okay, there's really only like three missions. Okay, like, following yeah. someone pickpocketing someone and yeah. then assassinating them and there was, no very, poison, there was no poison there was no yeah nothing. very same uh, yeah, after and a think, short period because Altair is a, I think he is a good character but I think what lets him down is that he was the first yep. do you know what I mean yeah, I think fair. I think if you had him maybe later on in the game they probably would have done him justice it's, yeah it's a shame he didn't get his own game separately of that because yeah. they you know and I, I think this is the same with like CD Projekt Red and stuff like that it's just like when you're doing a new franchise you often mess it up the first time and mm-hmm. by the second one like you're saying with Ezio they nailed it like and yeah. all three of those games with Ezio I thought were fantastic yeah and he's the only, I think he's the only person that gets like spread across three games as a playable character yeah, as well so. and, and, and like, I think like he maybe benefited from like like the setting of the game as well where like with Altair you go from like you're in the Holy Lands it's a cool setting there's no doubt about it but next minute you fast forward and you're in Renaissance Italy and I don't think it gets much better than being able to just walk through the streets of or Venice running like, on the yeah, roofs yeah. of Renaissance Italy um, and, and like does not have um, what's his name Da Vinci Da Vinci yeah. he's like he's, he's your pal you're just like oh yeah. I need to get my hidden blades fixed who can do it yeah. oh just da knock Vinci. into Leonardo yeah. Da Vinci <laughs> that kind of stuff's like yeah. being able to play on historical figures like that's so fun as well yeah. like it's you know. one of those rare uh, games you can play as well and if say your dad walked in because my dad was always just like going, oh you're playing video games, video games again oh geez you're winning some with this it would just be like oh look at this it's Leonardo you know and yeah. apparently like the historians like made a pretty accurate uh, depiction of like the actual places in these games well what's amazing is just a cool little fact for you is when Notre Dame went on fire and burned so the the big church or whatever in i can't remember which assassin's creed it is it's in um france Mm -hmm. but they recreated like almost bit for bit like 
the the actual blueprint of Notre Dame when they were no trying to create the game. Way. And so experts, they gave that over experts to them? came to them to be like, we're trying to rebuild this and like rebuild it back as to how it was because it had gone through so many renovations. They were like, no, we want to restore this faithfully. Apparently that they were able to get in touch with these guys and and be like, yo, can we borrow your stuff because so you've done it so I, well. I wonder like, if they put in the perch and then the bale of hay at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the guys are crazy. And if you jump out from that point and land in the ha- the haystack, are you'll survive. Like, What's, why do I need this? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, get some blueprints. So. Pull it in there. <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun to be able to do mm-hmm. that in those games. Yeah, and like he just develops game on game, and it's just, he's a great character. And like he ends up like shaping the whole Assassin's Creed, I think, because I didn't I didn't realize this at the time, but uh, apparently like Ezio's theme is what it's called. Um, it the music that plays whenever he's doing something thoughtful or whatever, you know, like yeah. it's just his theme. It appears in every game after Assassin's Creed Two. So I think even like Ubisoft know like they hit the nail on the head with, head with the game. They've kind of chosen guy. him as the main yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah, everything about him just just sold for them. That's cool. Ezio, yeah. The I opening g- of Revelations too, where he's just walking through the snow with his big oh, beard. So good. And you're just like, man, this is obviously said like 10 or 15 years later, mm. but he can still do it. Oh, like, he carries it well. Like, he's in his 50s, I think, or something in the third game, like, you know, and he's training all the new assassins, but he still whoops ass. I know, rewatched just, all those trailers recently. I was just like, fine. And like, cause I downloaded actually, they brought out the Ezio um, collection and I just, download i had a free weekend and i powered through a lot of uh a lot of assassin's creed like a two uh predominantly and uh yeah it's just like absolutely amazing um it's just one of those games that i can just always go back into and just get stuck into and just get lost in it and, and just Ezio, and yeah. just wander around and Ezio as well because that's that's as well like the world that they're in as well like to be able to play as a character who is so good in places that are so well built because mm-hmm. um i wouldn't play it a whole lot of assassin's creed but one of my brothers did and he was playing a lot of them recently you know just going back to i can't remember what's, what's the one that's based in london the syndicate possibly I think it might be, syndicate yeah. but uh he just brought me into sh- to have a look at them just to have a look at the world that you're walking around in and i'm like man you know this is this stuff's good like mm-hmm. you know as you said where would i want to walk around as an assassin yeah let's go let's go renaissance italy yeah. and you know hang out with da vinci and everything great choice great choice for your thank number one. you all yeah. three very unexpected yeah, yeah. thank you yeah. Yeah. all very all very different i like that yeah, yeah. Uh, i tried to vary it yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good and what about you craig who made your i'm actually quite curious about your number one number i was one i was thinking in my head been like who would craig pick and for a while i was thinking it might have been joker would have made your number one from persona oh nice um, but he's your number two so quite close then yeah uh, my number one uh, stems from obviously the whole villain thing again and just like villain a villain who similar to the joker is just over the top and just wants you to know that they're there and it's just taunting you and stuff like that and for me the true best uh child out of the les enfants terrible project is liquid snake nice <laughs> liquid choice snake is my favorite villain in history simply because he is just that much better than solid snake and he knows it and like he constantly tries to one-up you throughout the game only for you to one-up him and it drives him nuts like you know Mm -hmm. but he's just like his introduction is it's the very beginning of the game you killed like two bad guys and then all of a sudden you see liquid snake and he just flies off in a helicopter and blows up all these airplanes that like have come to like bomb the island and he just takes them out by himself and then throughout the game, like he speaks to you as Master Miller. Like yes. he is like pretending to be your best friend, just taunting you the whole. So he's with you the whole game, nice. giving you advice on what to do next. I do have to say though, because like it, it is funny in especially Metal Gear Solid because I can even see the reveal in my head when you're on the codex. Like in he the, just you takes off the stu- glasses and the and hair just drops slightly. <laughs> it's the greatest. It's like how did you not know? <laughs> it's like you realize he can't see you, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was so good. That was. So 
so good. Yeah, Liquid's a Liquid's a good choice actually. But that for that reveal is just one of the reasons because he obviously had killed uh, Master Miller. Who I don't know if you played Metal Gear Solid Five, but Master Miller manages to take down Eli, no problem. So for me, I've always just looked at that and was like, okay, Eli remembered that and mm-hmm. got his payback fifteen years later. You know, he sneaks yeah. into his house and probably strangles him to death, like you know. But Liquid Snake, throughout the game, you're fighting him. You fight him in a helicopter. You blow up the helicopter. He survives. Then you have a fight with him against Metal Gear Solid. And you blow up the Metal Gear, and he survives. And then you fight on top of the Metal Gear in a fist fight to the death. And you defeat him, and he falls off the Metal Gear. But he survives. And then you're escaping from the island, and he is chasing you with like his machine gun. And you're both driving through everything, like shooting at each other. And then both Jeeps crash. But he survives. But not, not <laughs> only that. Not only that. But the interesting thing about that is, is that yeah, you're tapping on. He would he have won. won. He would have been better <laughs> because it's the. What, what, like, this is where Metal Gear always got crazy. What? What's the? the it's Fox die. Fox die kills him before yeah. he, he so can kill he, Solid. He, he, uh, the two jeeps are turned upside down. Yeah. And Liquid Snake is still standing, and he walks over to Solid Snake, who's trying to pull himself from the wreckage. He aims the gun at him. And unfortunately, there's no awesome line of dialogue where, yeah. you know, for me, it was like a Sean Bean moment from um, Goldeneye where it's like, you know, James, I was always better. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Just a moment like that. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, he just gets the heart attack immediately yeah. from Fox Die and falls down there. That's never something I never considered. He was better in the end. He was the end, the end of But all he, he was, was the chosen one. He well, didn't think hang he on. was. I don't know if he was better. Well, he, was, he was the survivor, at least, you know, because, I mean, Snake, Solid Snake, you, the player, beat him on every level apart i know from but end. you overcome that despite yeah. your genetic weaknesses you know solid snake yeah. overcame that to defeat him like but it's a case of like eli slash liquid snake thought he was the the inferior so he's fighting with all this rage you know so yeah. it's kind of like you know is he in his right frame of mind during all these fights is he really going at it or is he just a psychopath trying to kill his brother like you know yeah but despite this death metal gear solid 2 comes around and all of a sudden, saw a, like um, Ocelot is like shooting people left, right, and center. But the second Ocelot sees Solid Snake, his arm starts twitching, and out comes Liquid Snake's voice, and it's just like "brother" in his awesome Cam Clark voice, who I mentioned from um, Smash Brothers because Cam Clark is the voice of Leonardo from the Turtles. Mm-hmm. He's the voice of Liquid Snake. He's also the voice of Corrin out of Fire Emblem mm-hmm. and voices Corrin in Smash Brothers. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so nice. in a way, Liquid Snake's kind yeah, of in there. Full circle. Isn't that brilliant? But in Metal Gear Solid 2, um, and this is where Kojima lost his mind, like because he just tried to make everything canon. Because mm-hmm. apparently everyone loved Liquid Snake and he just intended to kill him as a once-off villain. So then Metal Gear Solid 2 comes around and he's like, oh no, shoot, what have I done? I better fix this. So he made it that Liquid Snake is living inside Ocelot's arm, which is ridiculous and really, really annoying. But just to put it in perspective for people who haven't played the game, Ocelot lost his arm in the first game. game, And because, for whatever reason, someone decided, hey, we'll give you, Liquid's dead, we'll give you his arm. Mm. But Liquid is still alive in his arm. But, I mean, and if... That's the beginning of the end for Metal Gear Solid, by the way, everybody. That's why they made Metal Gear Solid 3, is that, like, they just ruined the story too much in Metal Gear Solid 2, that they were like, let's not touch this for a while. So Metal Gear Solid 3 came out, and then they made a young Revolver Ocelot, and everyone loved him. So now, even though at the end of Metal Gear Solid 2, Liquid Snake takes over control of Ocelot, and he is now, like, fully in control, by the time Metal Gear Solid 4 comes around, everyone's in love with Ocelot again, because in Metal Gear Solid 3, he's so good. Mm-hmm. So what, does, what do you think Hideo Kojima does? 
he goes, oh, wait, no, it's not liquid inside Ocelot. It's Ocelot all along. You know, because Ooh. he's just like, okay, the fans like this guy, I'll stick with him. Yeah. No, 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 the fans like just this guy. Just write your story, Kojima. Like, he's just all over the place. He's yeah. an absolute lunatic. But for me, Liquid Snake was the epitome of, like, that ultimate rival, that 006 to 007, you yeah. know, your, your alter ego, you know, the guy who, like, he thinks he's um, better, but he's not, you know, and all this type of stuff. And he was just an absolute badass villain. And, and that's, I aspire to be like in real life. That fight <laughs> scene at the top of Metal Gear. <laughs> I wear a fox die. I would die of a heart attack as a young man. You, <laughs> but uh, the fight scene on top of Metal Gear Solid, mm. or on top of Metal Gear in the first game, is to me lives long in my memory because that was um well did you play the version on the gamecube the game, twin yes. snakes yes where they vamp they vamped up those cutscenes yes. to 11 and yeah. so that fight is just and incredible. you can see in metal gear solid 4 when you're fighting ocelot atop the submarine or whatever it is and with all the cutscenes you can see they, they were like okay twin snakes was super successful with all this like you know mad cutscene in the middle of a fight stuff that we're going to just transpose all of this onto the submarine fight at mm -hmm. the end of four yeah liquid fine choice so what you had liquid joker is your good guy who was your number three again uh wolf okay so Two wolf joker and uh liquid. liquid and my highlight of joker is when he laughs maniacally to the twins yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's a pretty evil cast <laughs> evil cast because if he hadn't done that i might not have even considered him i'm gonna take a uh, uh, uh a walk down the opposite road to Craig and go for quite possibly one of the goodest characters in video game history. Uh, and I'm going to pick Sora from Kingdom Hearts. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right, Craig. So I had, I had a, all the, the, the power craziness from my youth as playing um, as Commander Shepard. I was like, well, I got to take a step back. This evilness is, is doing weird things to me, so I need to go right back into my, my Sora playing days. Mm -hmm. But as a kid... I'll never forget, big Final Fantasy fan, loved this, and just a big Disney fan as a kid anyway. I love Disney films, love Disney characters. And I'll never forget the day that I went to buy, I can't remember what video game magazine it was, but in it was a screenshot of Squall from Final Fantasy VIII talking to Donald, Goofy, and this other dude with spiky hair looking like a Final Fantasy character who had this amazing weapon, which was a giant key, which... I know saying it like that for people who've never seen it, probably like a giant key is a weapon. That is the dumbest thing. But the keyblade is this like, for me, it's one of the greatest. I mean, <laughs> inverted commas, swords I've come across. I love it as a weapon. I love, I, I remember looking at all those pictures in that magazine when I was like nine or 10, whatever, like before that game came out in 2001. And I was like, whoa, I need to play this game because it's Final Fantasy mixed with Disney throughout the entire of the first game. Yeah. And Sora is the person who carries me through that world. And him, he's just trying to, like, he gets chosen as a Keyblade Master. It's not something he ever wanted. He just wanted to hang out with his friends. But now his two best friends have been taken by the darkness. And his whole thing is, I'll do whatever I can to find them. And in Kingdom Hearts 1, it's great because you're going through all these Disney worlds. And the whole time you're looking for your friends, Kairi and Riku. And at the end of the game, you manage to save Kairi. But Riku's kind of gone over to the dark side. Bit of a Darth Vader thing going on there. But he comes good right at the end. But the only way you can save the worlds from being succumbed to darkness is Riku traps himself on the... the and the, on the side of the door of darkness mm -hmm. and Sora has to close it, close him in on the side of light. And I remember being like a 10, 11 year old kid and that end cutscene is like really hits me because the last words Riku says to you at the end of that game is he goes, take care of her, like referring to Kairi. And I was like, whoa, damn man. And like, you know, you, you have Kairi back, which is great, but all of a sudden Kingdom Hearts 1 ends and I'm like, I got to go find Riku. And that's Kingdom Hearts 2 then, boom, two years later or whenever, six years later or whatever time it was. That, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, a long time away for that game. But that game comes out 
and you're a grown up, Sora. I'm a little bit more grown up, and Sora's a little bit more grown up. Like, you know, it's one close. year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I am a little bit grown up, Craig. You know, like I've I've come a long way. Um, but uh, playing through that game then and going to find Riku again through all these Disney worlds. I'm this guy, and like Sora's all about like doing the right thing always, which I really appreciated. He's very, like, he's not a hugely deep character. Like, it's very much do good all the time in the first two games at least. Anyway, mm. but then. I waited years and years for Kingdom Hearts 3 to come out. It was like delayed, went, went, took, for, took forever. And Sora was always like the positive one. And I, when I was a kid, when I was younger, I was like, I need, I'd, li- I'd love to model myself off this dude. Like, just be positive. Like, this guy's positive about everything. You know, his friend's kid, and I have to be positive. The girl he likes is trapped in an island, you know, they can't get to. Be positive. I was like, yeah, I got this. I can do this. And kind of like, I was like, I'm going to try and be a bit more like Sora. And then Kingdom Hearts 3 comes out, you know, and I'm a little bit older, and the world's kind of weighed on me a little bit, and being an adult's hard or whatever. And it's been hard for Sora too. Kingdom Hearts 3, he is he is finding things tough. And I'm like, man, I can relate to this dude. And all this while I was like, I love this guy. I love this guy. Take me through these Disney worlds trying to figure all these problems. Amazing character for me. Love him to bits. And doing this podcast years and years ago, like again, talking about 2015, me and Luke did these podcasts. We mm-hmm. tried to do crappy episodes. We never released them. But it was at the time, I think, when Cloud had been announced for Smash Brothers. So it became this thing where we were quite aware that, oh, kind of, they're letting anybody in almost. You're not letting <laughs> anybody in, but everybody's got a chance to be in potentially if you're in video games. And the episodes that me and Luke did, we only do like half hour episodes and we recorded, I think five or six at the time. But every episode, Luke would always ask me, how much closer, Darren, are we to having Sora and Smash? And I'd always say to Luke, we're a little bit closer. Hashtag Sora for Smash. Always. I remember though. <laughs> yeah. I was part of it then. Yeah, when we moved on to that and always said that. And it was this thing where like, always oh, was like, Sora's going to be in Smash. And for me, like, oh, so, so stupid to get this excited about video games at all. But, Whatever it was two it's years ago. Stoop. Don't, don't ever say <laughs> that. Those guys so all, these, all these characters are coming out for Smash Brothers. And every time a character comes, is released, it's, and it's not Sora, everyone online, because loads of people wanted Sora, not just me. There, were, there was a big outcry for Sora. And loads of people wanted Sora in Smash. And any time a new character came out, there was always another reason why it couldn't be Sora. Mm. And at one point, then they had Hero from Dragon Quest, <clears throat> which was a Square created game. They were like, hmm. Don't know if they'll do another Sora now. And then even after that, they announced Sephiroth. And I remember watching the Sephiroth announcement and I was like, I was always, I was always positive. You know, I took it, took it from Sora. Be positive, Darren. You know, he'll be in Smash. But I saw Sephiroth being announced who was like the third Square character. And I was like, oh, balls. Yeah. And I in don't. that patch, he was like the Square, like they'd hardly have two Square characters in yes, a patch of in a patch, So yeah. even me, I was like, it's done, Darren. You're yeah. never getting it now. <laughs> and then the day I kept telling everybody, it comes to the last character they announced this is the last dlc character we're going to have for smash brothers that's it and then smash brothers is done sakurai's finished with it whatever and i remember telling everybody you know guys it's going to be sora it's going to be sora and we sat down to play smash i think like two or three weeks before that announcement and i was telling everybody this is how it's going to happen guys he's going to be announced for smash he's going to come through the door to light simple and clean the orchestral version is going to play and sora's going to save everybody and i was just talking through my i feel bad i was like <laughs> laughing at him in the messages and be like it's zero percent gonna yeah. happen just <laughs> crashing like, down yeah like, everyone yeah. was like and like in fairness people were going to be kind of trying to be kind to me be cruel to be kind because they're like darren it's I, not, I it's was not gonna happen very yeah. Cr- the critical yeah, yeah. <laughs> the critical was just being critical to me like he, i know. just didn't want his hopes to be you know broken you know yeah. i was just trying to be as realistic as possible so he wouldn't <laughs> be upset later but after playing all these kingdom hearts <laughs> games and finishing three and three was a great like it was a, a decent kingdom hearts game and i loved it uh, and i don't know don't really know where the series is going to go now but the one thing i always wanted for years and years and years was to play that smash brothers game that i love so much but to have Sora in it and i sat down and it was a pity because like the announcement was at like 3 p.m in the day so none of us like you know if we could pronounce announcements like that we'd always get together maybe watch it or whatever and this came out at three o'clock 
And guys, watch the Sora reveal trailer for Smash Brothers. Even if you don't care about Smash Brothers, <laughs> even if you don't care about Sora, watch it. Because I almost, I, Kev, I mean frame for frame. Right, they do the announcement and it's kind of like it's obscure Mario Trosis like fire stick and you don't know what it is and you can't tell and that's the whole point because they're like who who's it going to be and the fire stick like the fire disappears and it's the keyblade and I remember sitting like I'm by myself right <laughs> I'm at work it's 3pm I just like straight on the side I am I literally like feet up on the seat being like oh this is unbelievable <laughs> like they did it you know and they, they have him and like the door to light opens simple and clean starts and Sora comes out to the door to light and I was like I fucking knew it I fucking knew it. It's going to be sore. And it, for me, it was like accumulation of like, I, I love this guy so much. And then what's even better about that is they made him a, an incredible character in Smash Brothers as well. You know, he, they could have been like Luigi. Could have made him a piece of shit character to play as, but they made him a good one. But ha- hands down, my number one character, he took me through a world where Final Fantasy and Disney collided, which to me shouldn't, doesn't have any right to exist, but it did. And for the most part, was done relatively well. And he was my protagonist who guided me through all that and just kept a positive outlook on life all the time so that's why he's my and always will be my number uno no matter how bad the games get from here on the games have always been pretty bad Craig. <laughs> all those spin-offs were pretty bad you know i'll be oh, the first to admit it i mean kingdom hearts one and two were both fantastic games, yes but by dream drop distance i couldn't get through it and it's, it's just, too it's it too much gotten so corny yeah. by then i'm just like even Sora is forgetting what he did before just for the sake of explaining it to yep. everyone so he's just an idiot like you know um, you can't, but you no, can't. Kingdom Hearts yeah. one and two swords. <laughs> you know, how do I make it nice? <laughs> you can't read them on me. So there was, there was, there's my, there's my three. So Kevin, your order three, two, one. Who'd you pick again? Just as a reminder. Uh, number three was the Joker. Number two was Adriano. Number one, Ezio Auditore. I love that number two is Adriano. I love that. It's so just much. so <laughs> random. I know. I, I, I so the much. whole day, I, like, I was just like, go with it, go with Adriano. Absolutely. Don't bottle it, Kev. Yeah, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> And Craig, you had... Uh, mine were uh, Wolf O'Donnell, um, Joker, and um, Eli or Liquid Snake. Yeah, and for myself, I had uh, Commander Shepard, but evil Commander Shepard. He's got to be bad, Commander Shepard. Uh, Luigi and Sora. And for all our listeners out there, if you've got a top three favorite characters that you think are better than ours, or even if you want to just tell us that our choices are shit, <laughs> you can do so by emailing but us. But you are wrong. <laughs> you can email us at thegiftofgamingpodcast at gmail.com. Craig, Kev, thanks a mil for popping in for this episode. That was fun, you know? Yeah. yeah the, the newest episode I did last week required a lot of work. This required zero work, so I, I, I appreciate this episode. <laughs> we can just back. have fun. Yeah, yeah man. exactly. But we'll catch you guys on the next one. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hope you keep on enjoying The Gift of Gaming. Peace out. And goodbye.